Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is the single biggest challenge in marketing and sales, particularly in B2B? Well, from my experience, it's getting in front of the decision maker, regardless of how you do it. And this is part two on this topic, so let's talk about some ideas on how to improve our success rate, particularly when it comes to offline methods. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type of companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a 9-to-5 job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about some of the fundamentals of how we can improve our chances of getting through to the right decision makers. You know, we covered some of the online strategies, and this episode is geared towards towards the offline tactics and strategy. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I'd stop this and listen to this first as it'll make more sense. So I'm going to jump right back into the topic of solutions to enhance our offline techniques of getting to the decision makers. You know, we talked about sort of the two main tactics used in offline marketing, direct mail and cold calling. So the question is, how do we get through to decision makers most effectively using these offline techniques? Let's start with the traditional physical mailers. I mean, they've been around forever, but their effectiveness, you know, ranges from completely useless to, you know, a decent ROI. As with most techniques, B2B is a little different. If you're in a mass market scenario where you have thousands and tens of thousands of prospects, you know, it's a little trickier, and I think online strategies you know, often work better. But as always, it depends on your industry and your solution. In general, in B2B, something like a cheap postcard, you know, it's unlikely to be very effective. You know, also, you can send something flashy and consumer-looking, and it'll likely get put in that file 13, i.e. the trash can. You know, most business owners are looking for vendors who are professional. Yes, a cute gecko works for Geico's consumer customers, but that's generally not what attracts serious small business owners. I think making your mailing pieces look professional is very important uh, versus uh, cute and pretty, you know, if you want to stick out. And obviously, the more personalized the mailer is, the more likely it'll get to the decision maker. If you only have a few hundred prospects, I mean, you could literally write handwritten letters uh, or at least, you know, sign stuff and send out, you know, 25 a week or whatever. It's much better to do quality versus quantity. And so quality is, you know, important to stand out. But another way to enhance your chances of getting to the decision maker is by something like odd size packaging and not using standard envelopes or packaging material. You know, even throwing in some kind of trinket and, you know, an otherwise flat mailer will make it more interesting. And, you know, it's less likely to get opened by a gatekeeper and it'll pick the interest of the decision maker. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. I mean, it could be a 25 cent whoopee cushion or something stupid. But, you know, if you can tie it to your sales message, even better. But the point is, you want it to stand out from the rest of the junk mail that they're getting. And, you know, the last major thing that I think you can improve your chances works best when you can afford, you know, a little bit of money to acquire a customer. And I mentioned earlier that, you know, I would respond to a FedEx. The reason a FedEx or an overnight letter or package works so well is that most gatekeepers have sort of a reference for FedEx, you know, addressed to a specific person and feel like it's private and they won't, you know, open it, but give it directly to the decision maker. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but in most cases. So, you know, this is not going to work at, you know, obviously at the scale of thousands because uh, it comes cost prohibitive, but 
you know, if you have a high ticket product or service that can absorb that kind of cost and acquiring the customer, it's almost always worth sending things that way. So mailers can work and be effective, but you got to do it right. The other major way to get to B2B decision makers is via cold calling. Cold calling, you know, is a bad word to many people because of the abuse of telemarketing in the last few decades when calling consumers. But I mean, that's why they have a DNC list for consumers. But B2B is a little different animal. You know, there's currently no national um, B2B do not call list. There's a few states that have them, but they're fairly small. And the reason for this is that if businesses can't contact each other to do business, it's really going to hurt the flow of the economy. Unfortunately, you know, some business owners think, well, you know, I don't want to be kind of those telemarketers calling and annoying people at dinner. Well, you have to remember that these are calls from one professional to another, not some scam or selling credit cards protection to a consumer. I mean, this is a professional to professional conversation. Obviously, I'm a little biased given that, you know, one of the main ways my company sales double markets for our clients uh, is through cold calling. But, you know, I have enough hard data to prove it, you know, over 20 plus years that it really is effective in getting in front of decision makers if done right. I mean, if it didn't work, you know, our company would not have scheduled and generated hundreds of thousands of leads in B2B. So if your product or service has enough margin, you know, cold calling by yourself, which, you know, I don't recommend as it's a very specific skill and not to mention it's kind of nasty at times, you know, or, you know, having a, a third party uh, company do it, you know, it can make a lot of sense. You know, one thing that makes cold calling unique from all other methods of getting to a decision maker is that it forces a decision maker to make a decision on the spot if they're going to listen to you. You know, if you're trying to get them to click on an ad or call your office from a mailer, you know, it's really up to them. And, um, but if you kind of confront them and ask them straight out for a commitment, you know, you, you eliminate any kind of procrastination. So that's one of the big reasons I'm, I like cold calling. But if you're going to use this technique to get to your decision makers, there are a few things that are going to make it more effective. And just like all methods, you have to very, very clearly define your prospects first. But then, you know, you have to have a source list to call on. And if you're calling a very specific niche, you know, it's, it is hard to get phone numbers for that. And that's a problem. However, if you're calling businesses based on things like geography or SIC codes, it's a little easier to generate that list. List generation in itself is a science and an art. So if you don't put the time and effort into it first, you're very quickly going to kill your rate of getting through to the decision makers. And I recommend you, you know, get some help with that before you do anything. So a, a high quality list is super important. And most of us, you know, we're not list gurus. So as I said, you know, find a professional who is. I mean, that's obviously like one of the services we provide for our clients, you know, as a specialty. So this is going to, you know, take multiple calls and, you know, most of the time you can't expect to close a deal on your first contact with a decision maker. So don't get discouraged if it takes you talking to the gatekeeper eight times before they let you through. I mean, some people, you know, uh, give up after like one try, oh, geez, they're not interested and then think cold calling doesn't work. I mean, yes, you can get lucky, you know, on a one call close, so to speak, but it's exactly that luck. You know, it's okay to call back frequently, and but I mean, you obviously have to use good judgment. A couple of years ago, you know, we had a, a sales rep at our company you know, call a prospect 27 times in one day. You know, I mean, he finally beat the prospect in, you know, submission and got the sale. But, you know, I'm sure it was mostly to get the guy to go away. And I don't think the prospect was a client for very long. You know, needless to say, you know, um, the sales rep was not with our company after that. But you know, the point is, you've got to have some perseverance and know how it works in B2B. Another thing that will help you, you know, and this, to me, it blows me away because it would seem so obvious and it should be natural for everybody, but, you know, be kind and courteous and professional 
and friendly with a gatekeeper. You know, I mean, it amazes me how many people I've seen over the years talk down to a gatekeeper like they're some low-level person and treat them like they're a peon. I mean, geez, that's just stupid for so many reasons. I mean, number one, they're, you know, human being and no one should be treated like that. But I mean, life is hard enough, you know, particularly when you're on an entry-level job like that. You know, two, it's just bad for business. I mean, if you think the gatekeeper is going to let you through, you know, when you're obnoxious, arrogant, or a rude person, you know, you're in fantasy land. I mean, even if they did, you think the decision maker isn't going to hear about that from the gatekeeper? I mean, my loyalty is to my team, and that includes the lower pay scale employees. I, you know, I won't ever work with a salesperson who doesn't sell our gatekeeper with the same kind of respect as they would me. Speaking of which, did you hear that last part? Sell the gatekeeper. You know, you should, be, of course, be courteous and friendly, and that should be a given, but you also have a need to have part of your script designed to give the gatekeeper an incentive to pass you through to the decision maker. I mean, what's in it for them? They're doing you a favor, not the other way around. So this can be something as you know, simple as you know, a compliment on their voice or their company, something you know about it, or you know, even asking for, hey, can you do me a favor, you know, type of thing. And people love to help out other people if they feel respected and you know, all that, and they like the person they're talking to. You know, I hinted at this a minute ago, but you know, the next big thing is scripting, and that applies both with the gatekeeper as well as the decision maker. You know, I did an episode a while back about the importance of scripting, and you know, people get all wound up about scripting your call, but you know, they aren't understanding what I mean by it and how to do it. I mean, if you have a script in front of you and you're reading it, you know, you're doing it all wrong. The gatekeeper will totally pick up on that, and if, if you get through the decision maker, they're going to pick up on that as well. And people always tell me, well, you know, because of that, you can't script a call because the conversation goes all over the place. And hey, that's absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't script answers, the specific objections, the points that you want to make sure you want to get across in the most succinct and powerful language possible. You know, if you're winging it every time, you're not going to have consistently good conversations and close sales. So you not only have to script responses and talking points, but you also have to memorize them like the back of your hand so that they roll off your tongue without even thinking about it. Salespeople who think they don't have to use a script are just kidding themselves. So the reason I bring this up, because, you know, of course, it's critical when talking to the decision maker, but it's also super important to script and to practice your gatekeeper technique. Just like a script for the decision maker, a gatekeeper script is the same four elements. I mean, tell them who you are, why they should listen to you, what's in it for them, and then, you know, make an offer, i.e. ask them to connect you to the decision maker. And I won't go into specific wording on gatekeeper scripting as, you know, it depends on your specific solution, but I mean, there are whole books written on the subject that are available, so I would check that out. So while list and scripting and, you know, obvious courtesy with the gatekeeper, you know, is critical, the number one thing that separates superstars, you know, that get through to, to tons of decision makers over the phone is energy and how they sound. You know, energy, I mean, they used to say that, you know, over the phone, you lose like 80% of your energy due to lack of body language. And, you know, some recent studies have kind of refuted that number, but I think all of us recognize that energy often doesn't come through the, to the full force as it would in person. So, you know, you've been on the phone with someone who, you know, sounds close to dead. And, you know, then you've also been someone who's energetic and excited and, you know, you want whatever they're on. We all want to talk to an energetic and excited person. But, you know, you, some of you will say, well, I'm just not an energetic person. Well, guess what? I'm not either. And I'm an introvert also. But there are ways to compensate for our natural tendencies. Number one, you know, use a stand-up desk. You know, I have a stand-up desk that can be moved down to the, a regular height desk level when I'm sitting down, and then I can bring it up to the standing level. I mean, whenever I'm on a client call or a Zoom, I always stand. 
you know, you're immediately getting more energy and that comes across. If you're getting ready to do an important call or a presentation via Zoom, before you get on, jump up and down a few times, do a few push-ups or whatever gets your blood running. I mean, why is this important? We have to overcompensate when you're on the phone or even in video. If you call a gatekeeper and talk to them in your normal voice, you know, sitting down with normal energy, it's very likely you're not going to get much help from the gatekeeper. Why? Because, you know, they're hearing somebody boring and uninteresting on the phone and they're just looking for an excuse to hang up. They're not going to connect you and have no real desire to help you or put you through the decision maker. So another thing you need to do with a gatekeeper is use the correct tone of voice and the correct language. Again, scripting. When you call, you know, if you know the name of the person you're calling for, you don't want to call and say, hey, you know, this is Mary, you know, I'm a salesperson and I was wondering if Bob is available by chance, you know, or even worse, you know, you know, is Mr. or Mrs. You know, Jones available? I mean, that screams salesperson who has no relationship with the decision maker and clearly doesn't know anything about them. And more on that in a minute. But you want to open and approach the call as if, you know, you're a colleague of the prospect and not put yourself below them in stature. You want the gatekeeper to know that you're a peer of the decision maker and this is a professional call, not some Yahoo used car salesman calling. The best way to do this is to be authoritative and act as if you're the decision maker's friend, you know, in the sense that, you know, you want to simply ask for them to be connected to them. Something as short as, hi, uh, Bob Jones, please. I mean, that's it. Let the gatekeeper ask for more information if they want it. The tone of this call says, hey, I know Bob and it's okay to put me through. Notice that, you know, it's not a question, it's a command. And there's a subtle difference, but psychologically it works. You know, for a good percentage of callers, that in itself, you know, if you say it with confidence and authority, it'll get you through. Whereas begging like, you know, pretty please, you know, can I please talk to your boss so that I can sell them something? I mean, that's, you know, the equivalent of, you know, you wouldn't want to buy anything, would you, type of clothes. If that doesn't work, it kind of puts the onus on the gatekeeper to get the info that they want. You know, let them ask you what info they need to make a decision whether to put you through or not. I mean, don't volunteer a bunch of info that they put other ideas in their head and give them more reasons not to let you through. So how you use your voice with an authoritative and confident tone will make a huge difference in your success rate and getting through to decision makers. You know, I, other than my personal experience, you know, I remember I went to a, a telephone sales training thing, and this had to be 20 years ago. And uh, the, the speaker, what he literally did as he was doing the training, he demonstrated you know, and proved what he was saying about how to use some of these techniques. So he literally called several different prospects right in front of us, put the phone on speaker and did what he was talking about, which is the, hey, you know, can I please talk to Bob, you know, uh, type of thing. Um, more of the, the begging, you know, I'm, I'm a peon type of tone and everything. And of course, you know, he got shut down several times. And then he changed and went back to the, what I was talking about, changing the tone to, hey, you know, um, Hi, uh, Bob Jones, please. And well, with an authoritative, hey, I'm a professional just like Bob. And, you know, this is a professional call, not a Yahoo salesman. And, you know, he proved it right in front of us. I think he made probably a total of 10 calls. And it was literally almost, you know, every time he got through the decision maker doing the more authoritative close. So your tone of your voice really matters. And, you know, if you're new or starting out or don't have real confidence, scared on the phone, fake it. You know, uh, think about, you know, like you're a Hollywood actor and, you know, do it that way. You know, so one last tip when cold calling, and again, this depends on how many prospects you have on your list, but, you know, and how much you can, you know, each sale is worth to you. But if you're in the position where each potential prospect is very valuable to them, the more you can find out about them, the better and the better success you'll have when you actually talk to them, as well as trying to get through to them. 
And your conversation with the gatekeeper, you know, you can kind of slip that in. Hey, you know, you too are an Alabama football fan, just like the decision maker. And even though the gatekeeper might not care about that or share that interest, they're more likely to go, oh, yeah, hey, I, I bet my boss would like to talk to this lady because they're both Alabama fans. I mean, it sounds stupid, but it actually works. And, you know, any inside intel that you can get on the decision maker, even the company for that matter, can help you getting past the gatekeeper. So that's cold calling and direct contact marketing. Um, so overall, takeaways from this, you know, both of these episodes, I mean, um, you know, let's face it, the hardest part of marketing and sales is getting through to the decision maker. And while everything works, you know, sometimes it really all goes back to knowing your ideal client. You know, online, you have to be very targeted, knowing your data points and knowing where to solicit. And, you know, mailers still work, you know, in a traditional sense, but they're most effective when personalized, unique or FedExed. And then cold calling forces that instant decision, allows you a personal touch that, you know, we're all missing these days. It's probably best for high ticket items. So that's all I have for today. And I hope this was helpful and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I know your time's valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. You know, if you found this content useful, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review with your honest feedback, whether it's good or bad. You know, also, if you're interested in growing your B2B business through direct contact marketing like we do, uh, please call my office at Sales Double and speak to one of our sales representatives. You know, we can chat for a few minutes about your business and what you need most to grow your business, even if it's not our services. And, you know, as a side note, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you probably know that I have a little pet peeve about using fancy words to talk in code, so to speak. So we're not going to do a, quote, discovery call or a, quote, strategy call, just a quick question and answer call. And yes, if we think you're a candidate for our service, we'll try to sell you. But we're not going to hide behind fancy corporate news as we know you're smart enough to see through that. We believe in telling the truth and even if it's not what people want to hear. That said, give us a call at 480-401-1926 if you're interested in talking about how to grow your business and have your best year ever.